I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Jameson Starbuck, owner and director of One Doc Naturopathic Medicine Clinic in Missoula, Montana, a family practice helping patients of all ages who want gentle, effective, non-invasive ways to treat disease and support their health. She's past president of American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, a lecturer at the University of Montana, has her own radio show, Dr. Starbucks Health Tips for Kids, and most importantly, has been a columnist for Bottom Line Health for over 25 years. You can learn more about Dr. Starbuck and her work at drjamesonstarbuck.com, and you can find her radio show at mtpr.org. So welcome, Jameson. I always love talking to you. Thank you, Sarah. appreciate being here. So we're going to talk about anxiety. And we're not going to talk about anxiety like normal, people are running around with anxiety, and let's give them some Xanax. We're going to talk about what they don't talk about with anxiety, which is the connection between anxiety and other functions in their body and hormones. Because you and I both know that Ativan, Clonopin, Valium, Xanax, whatever medication they're getting is not fixing their problem. Yes. Um, and when you and I were talking, you said that often anxiety is, in fact, rooted in hormonal imbalances. So um, tell, give, me, give me the one-sentence one overview on that. Well, hormones control our, our brain is... Our brain is uh, active and activated and functions based on hormones as well as neurotransmitters. And they're, they're very linked. Um, and so when the hormones are out of balance or when they're deficient or when they're excessive, there is an immediate impact on the brain and on how we uh, think, how we feel, how we physically feel, and how we emotionally get through our day. So whenever anyone comes to me and anxiety is on their list of complaints, I always uh, have a conversation with them about their home hormones and look into that. So now we think about women as being all very hormonal, but is do men have a similar hormonal connection? And then we're going to break down men versus women. But overall, this is this a man and woman thing or primarily a woman thing? No, men and women have the same hormones. They just have different levels of the different kinds of hormones. So uh, men have the same kinds of hormonal issues. The difference with men is that they're the chief hormone that we know about, testosterone, tends to decline slowly starting at about age 30, where in women, the chief hormones, estrogen and progesterone, have a rapid decline at midlife. So with women, and they change also monthly. So both men and women have hormones, deficiencies or excesses or imbalances of those hormones in either gender has an impact on your, on anxiety levels. It's just that women are more subject to experiencing that on a more frequent level as opposed to sort of slowly over time right so if the primary driver so let's if the let's talk about women so we'll talk about women first because they're far more complicated um if the actually overall first if the primary drivers are hormones but women's dominant hormones are progesterone and estrogen but men's dominant are testosterone is it different functions of those hormones that are leading to anxiety it's not a one-to-one of progesterone depletion causes this or testosterone depletion causes that. Uh, the hormones of a deficiency of either 
any of those three hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and frankly, the adrenal hormones and thyroid and insulin also. But uh, what we have a little more awareness of, I guess, are the reproductive hormones. The impact of a deficiency of any of them is can create anxiety. The difference for why we see more anxiety in women, in addition to perhaps cultural phenomenon about what's okay to talk about or not, um, but is because with women, the estrogen and progesterone shift at different times throughout the month, and in men, the progesterone and testosterone levels tend to stay steady on a daily basis. So you see in women the anxiety may be shifting week to week, whereas in men, the anxiety is going to be kind of the same every day. Um, is that is that answer the question? But yeah. when testosterone's low or when estrogen's low or when progesterone's low, the anxiety that you see, anxiety ends up being the same, but there are other phenomenons that are created by a deficiency or excess. So, for example, if you have a low progesterone, you can have anxiety from low progesterone. Typically also because progesterone is the parent molecule for cortisol, then you also have low cortisol, which is, or often will have a, an adrenal deficiency that precedes the low progesterone. Um, and the, leads to the low progesterone because the adrenal system has been taxed and taxed and taxed and the progesterone has been trying to manufacture cortisol and can't keep up. So sometimes you can fix a progesterone deficiency by working with the adrenal system. And building the same that is for men, but, you, but testosterone, because it's a pretty strong uh, hormone for physical activity, you will often see adrenal stress issues showing up in men less obviously as a hormonal thing. Um, so I'm going to digress briefly, um, but come back. Um, so what's the definition? So is anxiety, I think people use the term anxiety, but are they broadening the application of it? Like what's the technical definition of anxiety? Is it a physiological response or is it emotional? I'm trying to now hone in on clarity of when is it anxiety and how do we fix that piece of it versus are people lumping a whole bunch of stuff into their anxiety because it's kind of cool to go, I'm anxious. Well, I think all humans are anxious at certain parts of their life and their day and that's what keeps us safe and alive. We have that stress response to things that are challenging which in, um, we need to have in order to avoid danger. Um, and, and it is a physiologic response by the body in that sense that there are different changes that happen physiologically in terms of blood flow, in terms of heart rate, in terms of uh, functions in the digestive tract, functions in the brain that happen in response to stress. I think when it gets labeled as anxiety is when the emotional response to that physiologic change um, is one that's not controllable, where people feel frightened which is an emotion in response to their body being stressed. So uh, in my experience, what happens is people get labeled with anxiety when really often what they have is a physiologic stress response that's just their body can't keep up. And so they're perpetually stressed, they're perpetually feeling frightened and unable to manage. And when that goes on for long enough, then anxiety is right there at the fore. So that's where that combination of both physical and emotional psychological support is so very helpful. I've worked with lots of people to get them off of 
anti-anxiety medications. Um, and you cannot, in my experience, it's very difficult to do that without supporting the underlying physiology, which very, very often in women is uh, hormonal. Right. Well, we've got this chicken and egg thing going on now. So because you've got stress or hyperactive, you know, you have chronic stress, which depletes your system, which then depletes your hormones, which then gives you this physiological vulnerability to stress reactions. And so it goes. And you can't tell the difference between what's emotional and what's physiological. Right, and that's why people become dependent on anti-anxiety medications is because all you're doing is scratching the surface and supporting the emotional response, but you're not changing the underlying cause, the driver, which for most people is a physical uh, stress response where their body cannot quite keep up with the demands of their life. Um, and in the case of women, it may be that the hormones are not um, keeping up with normal cycling. And so every month, there's this period of significant deficiency and physiologic changes that are difficult to manage. And then the person goes to trying to think that that's an emotional, I mean, there's an emotional response to that, but then that's what gets medicated, but the underlying physical does exactly. not. Exactly. Okay. So then let's go to fix this for them. So what should, so how do women who are dealing with, with anxiety, how do you help women strengthen and, and balance out this physiological um, depletion? Well, I begin with testing hormone levels. I usually test them at about um, in the second half of the cycle before the menstrual cycle actually starts, about day 20 or so of a, of a normal 28-day menstrual cycle. I want to know what their levels of estrogen, progesterone, uh, cortisol, and DHEA, and testosterone are at that time, so that at the time when the, those hormones should be the most present, are they in fact present? Because if they're not, then I will add either botanicals that support the hormone manufacturing or actually a biocompatible hormone uh, supplement or, or medication in order that we have normal physiologic levels of hormones happening every month. Because then you can see, well, how much of this anxiety is actually um, taken away when you have normal hormone function. Um, then I also very often use nutrients and botanicals that help people manage anxiety, that calm the nervous system, that support the adrenal function, that make sure people are um, able to relax enough at night to get good sleep. So the kinds of things I use for all of that are, are variable depending on the person and what they need. But, but that's the way I try to work, to support the physical system first, get that strong, and then use things to that calm down and support the anxiousness. So are, is this testing that I'll call it only naturopathic physicians know how to do? If somebody went to their OBGYN, would they have any idea on this end of things? My experience is that that's not in their world. It's not something that they do very often. Uh, they can around, they can sometimes they certainly can run tests. There are blood tests that you can do. I tend to use salivary testing more for hormones, um, but you can test hormones through blood, you can test it through urine, you can do it through saliva. And certainly the MDs have access to that kind of testing. They can run it. I'm not sure that they have any, um, most of them are not trained in how to interpret those tests. And they still also, I know that I've had discussions with my OBGYN because I do take bioidentical hormones. I'm Sarah Heiner. I do take bioidentical hormones. Um, there's also the debate about the safety of those, and the doctors still are not necessarily trusting the safety of bioidenticals. What's your opinion on those? 
I use, but uh, I'm Dr. Jameson Starbuck, and I take Biodin. <laughs> I feel so connected. <laughs> um, so I think it's true that they are not educated, and I believe there's actually at this point in time some um, some contrary information being given to a lot of practicing OBGYN people that bioidentical hormones are actually dangerous. That is not what the research shows. That's not what experience shows. There's no evidence that bioidentical hormones are dangerous. In fact, they may be preventing disease. So um, I think that for people, it's certainly worth it to have that conversation with your OBGYN, but I would also look for other opinions if they don't seem to understand it. Right. Okay. Now, how about birth control pills? Where do they factor into this for good and or for bad? Well, birth control pills, I think, for the most part, are not helpful. There are a, There's a small percentage of the population who use birth control pills and find that it helps with anxiousness. But for a lot of people, because the birth control is a synthetic hormone that interferes with liver health and it confuses the body because the hormones that are coming in are not what the body utilizes and manufactures um, by itself. You're also interfering with a basic biological reality of the body, which is to reproduce. So once you start telling the body not to do that, uh, the hormones get very out of balance and it shifts how people feel. Um, so I think that people have to be aware of their anxiousness before and after starting birth control pills or um, consider that as a factor. So I, I'm not, so I was thinking actually not so much people using birth control pills to treat their anxiety. I was more on a people using them for birth control or B people using them because their hormones are a little out of whack. Their periods are inconsistent or they're having major bleeding issues or something like that. Um, by for, for those people that are using it because for those reasons, does it make them more vulnerable to anxiety at all because it is forcing an out of balance uh, or it's forcing a forced balance into the system. Yes, to, yes. So birth control pills uh, invariably will create an imbalanced hormone picture in the body, which for some people results in anxiety. Um, and that problem can last even after you stop the birth control pill. And I have worked with people where we've had to do some testing or some botanicals or some bioidentical hormones to get the cycling back to normal after being on the birth control pill. For some people, the, they feel bad while they're on them uh, because the hormones have been pushed in a direction that's just out of whack with what their physiologic body can handle. Um, so I think that if you have anxiety, being on the birth control pill is a poor idea. And if you're trying to regulate an abnormal uh, menstrual cycle, the birth control pill will regulate that for most people. It will get it so that you have a period every 28 days. But it will be doing it because of a drug. It will not be doing it because your system is now regulated and normal. And the end result is when you stop that birth control pill, the body has to reorganize itself anyway. So why not reorganize yourself without the birth control right. pill? And do people, if they're given a prescription for birth control pills, need to watch out for anxiety coming on? So that should be a symptom they should be aware of. And, you know, if they, that, that they might then choose to go back off of it because it's going to be a negative reaction on their body. 
there, there are lots of negatives to the birth control pill in terms of um, its impact because of its effect on the liver. So one of the things for sure is you can have anxiety when you're on the birth control pill. You can also have migraine headaches. You can also gain weight. Your cholesterol can go up by a lot. Um, and you are much, much, much more subject to having yeast problems that are difficult to treat once you stop the birth control pill. All right. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. Let's talk about men and balancing their hormones. And then I want to talk about cholesterol and the connection between low cholesterol and anxiety. Again, anxiety is not being cured by your Xanax. Be back in a second with Jameson Starbuck. I'm talking to leading naturopathic physician and bottom line health columnist, Jameson Starbuck. Dr. Starbuck's natural way column enlightens readers to options in creating health and wellness beyond the mainstream drugs and surgical techniques. Sometimes you need them, but oftentimes helping your body to release its own healing properties through the use of nutrients, botanicals, and easy lifestyle changes can be safer and more effective. And Bottom Line has created an online store to help our customers follow that advice of Dr. Starbucks and our other leading natural physicians. We know that it can be confusing to shop for supplements and natural products. The prices are high, they're low, they're in between, and you have no idea which brand is safe and which might have hidden toxins from overseas. So we worked with our experts to create a select list of professional grade products in safe doses. You can relax knowing that what you're buying is safe in terms of quality and quantity. We want to make it easy and stress-free to follow the advice of Dr. Starbuck and others so you can keep your family healthy. The flu season is upon us and there seems to be a never-ending array of germs and ailments. Come to the Bottom Line store today to receive 20% off of your first order with the coupon code PODCAST. BottomLineStore.com, coupon code PODCAST, that's bottomlinestore.com and use the code podcast. All right, we're back with Dr. Jameson Starbuck, one of Bottom Line's great columnists. And we're talking about anxiety and the fact that anxiety is not being fixed by the medications that the pharmaceutical industry is prescribing or the doctors are prescribing, but in fact, there are these underlying hormonal issues very often related to it. So Jameson, we were talking before about women. Let's talk about men because men have hormone issues as well. And balancing their hormones can in fact help them with their anxiety. So how do we help men with their hormone issues? Well, if, if a man comes into my office and anxiety is one of the issues they're coping with, I like to know what their testosterone progesterone and estrogen levels are. Uh, when the testosterone drops, uh, anxiety is uh, what, what happens for men. Um, testosterone is a hormone that can make, in excess, can make people very uh, aggressive and angry at the same, uh, in the opposite way, when the testosterone is low, uh, men tend to feel vulnerable. Their brain takes on a, a, a sense of vulnerability, which translates into anxiety of feeling unsafe. So now women, women, we know that they, they start to um, deplete in their hormones later on in life. How about men's testosterone levels? When do those start to deplete? And if somebody is anxious younger, does that mean that they might have a, a, a hormonal, a physiological um, issue with their testosterone levels? Yeah, so with men, the testosterone begins to decline at age 30, and it is supposed to be a slow declining over a lifetime. Um, the testosterone in some men is depleted or, or dry, is driven down much more quickly so that men experience low testosterone symptoms way before what we think of as a time in the 
80, when they're 80. Um, that happens for a variety of reasons. Testosterone is originally manufactured in the liver from cholesterol. So if people are on uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs, their testosterone will be driven down. If their liver is unhealthy, they'll um, make less testosterone. If men are overweight, they will make less testosterone because the liver is coping with, uh, often with fatty liver syndrome, and that is one of the results of that is low testosterone. So it certainly can go down much more quickly than we previously thought. And uh, people are beginning to know that now where there's talk in the public arena about low testosterone. And to me, it's not a coincidence that that conversation about low testosterone coincides with the overuse, in my view, of statin drugs. Because if you drive the cholesterol down, cholesterol is the manufacturer of testosterone, as well as estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, all the adrenal hormones. But if you drive the cholesterol down, you're driving down all the other uh, downstream steroid hormones. Yeah, we're going to talk about cholesterol in a second, because I think people have no idea about the, clue, the connection between those. So what's the, what's the remedy for men? How do we help them build their, um, build their hormones back up? and ease their anxiety? It depends on the cause for the low hormones. Um, one often sees low testosterone in uh, adolescent males, and particularly adolescent males that suffer with depression and anxiety. Then what I work with there is um, working with nutrition, working with their liver health, using, I tend to use botanicals rather than the actual hormone in young, younger people because they're still developing. In um, older men or, or even men in their 30s, if the reason for their low testosterone is poor liver health or they're overweight or their diet is horrible, which affects testosterone, then I will try to work with those things with the assumption, and I have found it to work out, that if they get healthier, they will actually manufacture more testosterone. If they're at a point where they're eating well, their body's fairly healthy, but they're just a low manufacturer of testosterone or their ability to produce it has just diminished over time, then I use very low dose um, testosterone in a cream form. Um, and I'm talking very low dose, sometimes three milligrams, five milligrams, very, very low dose testosterone can be extremely helpful. So how about all these low T commercials and people running out to take their OT over the counter testosterone? I think that it's really important with testosterone, as with all hormones, to work with a physician who knows what they're doing before you start taking random hormones. Totally agree. Uh, I just wanted you to say it. Okay. <laughs> Someone decided, I don't know which comes first. You know, often they come up with a drug and then suddenly you have an ailment that fits it, right? But like you were saying, that all these hormones are produced from cholesterol and in the liver. And then when we reduce our cholesterol, we're not able to produce as many hormones, which then cycles down into anxiety, depression, suicide, all of that. But at the bottom seems to be this, this pervasive message that has been thrown into the public of lower your cholesterol. Correct. And there is no evidence that just lowering the cholesterol has any beneficial health outcome. In fact, there is a small segment of the population that walks around with a too low of cholesterol and it's called hypolipidemia, not enough lipids, which are fats. Um, in America, that condition is almost unheard of in the conventional medical world. 
they either don't know of it, they're not aware of it, they don't care about it, I don't know what it is. But too low of a cholesterol is in many ways more dangerous than too high of a cholesterol. And so, so yeah. So is there, what's the target? And I, I mean, there's total cholesterol numbers and then there's HDLs and LDLs. And are we talking in terms of the impact on um, anxiety and on hormones? Is it both HDL and LDL that help produce those hormones? So it's total numbers or is it like, what? what's the number someone needs to shoot at because as long as we're talking numbers, we might as well give them a different target. Absolutely. It, it used to be that a cholesterol lab result, if you order a lab test, it would say anything uh, below 200 is okay. And you know from that, you could assume that a plus person had a cholesterol of zero would be okay. No, you can hardly sustain life if your cholesterol is under 100. Um, now the cholesterol tests have suddenly changed, at least with my lab, and they have 150 as the low. I don't know if that's true across the country. But if I have a patient who comes to me with their cholesterol is below 160, I start looking into it and looking into their hormones. Um, I think it's reasonable to shoot for cholesterol for most people in the uh, 180 to 200 range. That is considered too high by a lot of uh, conventional practitioners. I don't start worrying about total cholesterol numbers any place below, I mean, up to 250, because what I look at is the ratio of good to bad. And if someone has a high cholesterol and most of it is good cholesterol, it's not worrisome. But if your cholesterol is less than 160, it's going to be impossible for you to manufacture normal levels of hormones, and there are going to be health consequences. So then within that 160 or above, What's the optimal, is there an optimal um, ratio or a, a minimum ratio that it should be or a minimum, again, uh, is it HDL or LDL? I think, is it HDL that has more influence on HDL, this? HDL is the good cholesterol right. and has more influence, yeah. Um, and I don't know if there's an optimal number. I don't really look at that so much. I look at the total and then I look and see what, what are the HDLs and LDLs. I like to see an HDL level that's above 70 Theoretically, if you have it above 60, you have less cardiac risk, but what I'm looking at is overall health risk, and so I like to see an HDL above 70, above 80. Okay. All right. All right. Also importantly, the picture is people have to, be, have to know that there's a connection between this incessant focus on lowering cholesterol and it may be giving them anxiety, let alone other health issues. So if your doctor's talking to you about your, your cholesterol levels, they're pushing statins on you, push back, yes? Definitely push back because the research that I have seen on cholesterol shows that people with a cholesterol below 150 have an increased risk of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and autoimmune disease um, compared to people with a cholesterol of 250. So a low cholesterol is not a good thing. Well, right, and meanwhile, Oh, by the way, coincident to this is increased depression, increased suicide, increased autoimmune disease in the world. But I'm going to leave it there for people to ponder. Dr. Jameson Starbuck, thank you very much. Thank you.